Good day, good afternoon, good whatever it is you are listening to this. Thank you very much for listening to this. You are checking out yet another Woke and Baked. And today we are joined again by Curtis Hembroff, who was our guest last week. He came on last week to discuss the upcoming Alaska's Baddest Blue submission-only jiu-jitsu tournament, which happened at All-American Training Center on the 30th of January. So he was coming on to plug that and talk about that. And now he's coming back to give us a recap and talk about how it went, talk about some of the winners and some of the cool stories coming out of Alaska's Baddest Blue, which was the first submission-only grappling tournament in Alaska in what feels like at least five years. I know it's not the first submission-only grappling tournament in the great state of Alaska. Like, don't blow up my comments talking about this. is not the first one. I know that. You know that. We all know that. We've made it abundantly clear up to this point. If you had no idea, this was not the very first Alaska submission-only grappling tournament. But it is the first one in a very long time because they've all been shut down for eh, one reason or another. Anyway, not here to discuss that. What we are here to do is discuss some of the matches, the winners, some of the teams, and the stories behind the matches. Because that's what's really significant. Not just so much that a tournament happened and that there were winners. I think it's also important to note that there are bigger stories than just winners or losers. Because there are a lot of different stories that go into a tournament like this. Because this is a competition in a contact sport that is what I like to call murder yoga. That being said, we also discuss really cool concepts like time and music and uh, how they all kind of go together and how life is sort of like a cassette. Anyway, you'll understand it when you hear it. Like That means nothing to you now, but if you listen to the podcast, even just the first part of the podcast, that will make much more sense to you than it did when we started this or when I first mentioned anything about anything at all. I want to give a quick shout out to everyone that gives me a lot of support and love, specifically Brandon Miller and Iron Asylum, the Johnson family of the Schnitzel Bomber fame, Mark at Red Run Cannabis Company, and Casa de Hembroff of 10th Planet Soldatna. All right, folks, here's a little bit more Curtis for you with Alaska's Baddest Blue recap. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your energy and all that good stuff. Stay tuned after the podcast for more information on these fine folks and their fine, fine companies. And I do mean fine. Okay, so the last time we spoke, which was just like a week ago, the first question I asked you was your favorite childhood movie, and you said it was a movie like Schwarzenegger, it was like Predator, stuff like that. Yeah, all those, definitely. Um, so, I guess then the next question would be, um, what was the first piece of music that you listened to, the first album that you listened to, and you're like, this is awesome. Uh, As embarrassing for me to admit, I think it was uh, Michael Jackson Bad. That that tape, like whatever whatever was back then. That was like the first cassette I ever had. And it was like, I remember the song Bad was on it. 
that was like the first album I ever owned or the first like piece of music I ever owned. Um, but then, you know, after that there was more, but for sure I had that one and played it a lot. You know what I'm saying? Back then, you know, you, you didn't have a lot of options, you didn't have a lot of channels. So whatever you did have, you played, you watched or listened to over and over and over and over and over. Um, same thing with like UFC videos. You know, I, when I was old enough to rent videos and right as UFC was coming out, we ran, but I'd watched the, the same video for 10 times. My favorite movies, Predator, those kinds of things, Pumping Iron. I probably, I would put movies like that on in the background. You know, it's constantly playing. My favorite movies just constantly playing. So we got a, a Michael Jackson fan, but um, you know, in high school, I was a, I was a class of '97, so I was into like Pearl Jam, Metallica, um, Sublime, you know, stuff stuff around that time. Yeah. Right now, I like a lot of like Danheim, The Who, um, a lot of like the Viking, a lot of the. Um, but I'm also a big fan of Suicide Boys and some of like a more aggressive rap. So whatever works for rolling, um, whatever makes you want to like break things, I guess, or go really hard. I kind of like those that music in those environments. <clears throat> At my house, like currently, in the last few, you know, months, I would say, or years, I guess, almost um, with you know, foster should care, a uh, pregnant wife, and now a baby. The music of the house is more like, um, uh, more like fun, happier, uh, what's the bands I'm thinking of? Like, they're popular bands, but, um, um, you know, just not, I'm not playing like Suicide Boys of the House, yeah. you know what I'm saying, or, uh, necessarily war music at the house. Soon, the baby's pretty young, but soon. <laughs> <laughs> Try to keep it happy and chill right now. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. I needed mic readings and I need to find out where we were and I think we know where we're at. Where we're at audio. We're here now, we're, wherever that is. <laughs> um, I hope you're enjoying your here and now. As you should. I mean, because yeah. you only get one here and now. Otherwise... That's all we exist in. Yeah. The infinite now. Otherwise... It's a weird thing. Do you believe in time? Yeah. You can't, right? You can't not believe in time. Uh, I mean, if there is no time, there's just one massive reality viewed from a different perspective. It's like the tape I was talking about earlier, the cassette. You know, if you're living in the tape, how can you assume that you wouldn't know there's time? You're just like, of course there's I'm I'm bad. I'm bad. Just do it. Uh-huh. This is how your life is going. You're in this tape. But if you were all of a sudden taken out of the cassette and you looked at the tape, you could realize, oh, it's just a tape and it's a loop. And there's no time on that tape. It's a finite fixed thing. So maybe your life is just a lot of time that you're experiencing, or maybe it's one moment on it that you're just viewing from a different perspective as you go through the cassette player. Well, Alan Watts, uh, you know, had a had a, a really great piece. Um, he was talking about you know, like what if what if, you know, life, uh, what if you're just in uh, a 70-odd-year dream, right? And you can fill your, your dream with adventures and romances, and you can spend your time doing, you know, whatever it is you want. Or you can, 
uh, just kind of get sucked into the, the, the rest of it. Um, I don't know, time is a, time is a weird construct because we, we judge it, um, whether it's by seconds or by minutes or by years or by months or, or decades or, or, or distance, you know, um, you put a value on it. Yeah. And we absolutely, and sometimes, to some extent, it's the finite commodity. Absolutely. You cannot necessarily get more of yeah. That's one of the conversations I have uh, like very often in the intros of the podcast. Is like time is a very finite commodity, and I appreciate anyone spending any of their time uh, with me. Um, so that's a really interesting question. What are your thoughts on time? Oof. I don't know, man. Um, I definitely think it's something that we perceive and experience, but I don't totally understand the game as far as like how it's constructed and how it fits in and how you know as far as reality works where, where time and reality how they fit together and how my experience in time and reality fit together because I realize there's a, a time before me and there'll be a time after me but I don't remember the time before me and I won't experience the time after me um, but I can kind of learn about it and I can anticipate it and I think it's weird that people myself included Think about how they'll be remembered and thought of in a time when they won't exist. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think, um, you know, that's driven people to do crazy, super insane things, you know, to be remembered, to be thought of, to not be forgotten. Um, you know, whether it's building castles or slaughtering people mm-hmm. or statues, rather, you know what I'm saying? People are finding a way to be timeless, even though they're finite, um, because they believe there's a future after they die and they believed that there was something that happened before they came um but it's what to me it's like how does my experience in these in the time uh what is it is it just a is it just a a flashing moment of a personality in a in in a meat wagon or is it a soul dipping in and out of a timeline um and i am more inclined to think that we are uh infinite experiences but having finite or infinite beings having finite experiences um where we're dipping in and out of a timeline or um maybe even experiencing the timeline at the same time um you know who's to say that you that while we're experiencing this that there isn't a past happening concurrently you know i mean we're just not in that sliver of that moment we're not viewing that moment in the same way they're viewing that moment so um yeah, it, it confuses the hell out of me. I have no idea. But uh, I'm more inclined to think that there's something greater than there's something less. I'm more inclined to think that there was something special than that we're not. So I think that, um, which may be totally egocentric by all means, but I just think that's, how, that's just my, my opinion, that time, time is something we experience, but it could be very similar to a tape or a CD or a hard drive that we constantly rewrite, that we constantly can reprogram, that we can constantly update, and we can take the song on bad and remaster it, and remaster it, and remaster it. And we might experience it over and over and over and over and over, and just continually polishing it, uh, continually striving towards uh, something better that we never achieved, um, kind of like pie. Uh, so, um, 
Kanye West's Life of Pablo record uh, existed like that on Tidal, where tracks would be changed on a regular basis. So, uh, there's another, um, there's an EDM group that when they go out on there on the road, I'll think of them later, um, but they remix their own songs while they're live on stage in front of their audiences so that the record is sort of... Um, Almost crowdsourced in a weird way by, but, by the moment. Yeah, but yeah. it's like the record is the path, right? The record is the path, but like this is the different journey, right? The record is, the record's this this one thing that you experience as a collective at home or in your car, um, but this is it, the in the environment that you're with us uh, in in a crowd and at this particular festival, this is how it is for you tonight. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, which has led to the the, um, the records being released as remixes, uh, remix albums, which is a smart thing for in, in a streaming uh, in a streaming age, because you're releasing the same record consistently remixed. Um, so you're diverse, you're diversifying what it is that you're doing. And I can not chopping it up. Yeah, <laughs> here's more of the same shit. Yeah. Add some flour. <laughs> it's weird how. Um, the songs can transcend time too, like um, how they can bring you right back to a moment. Yep. Like how you hear a sound or a song and you're like, bam, instantly. I'm back in that era. I'm back at that dance. I'm back at that game. I'm back in where I work at that workout. And when I was, you know, what I'm saying like whatever, whatever uh, the trigger is, but it's it's like that with smell. It's like that with a lot of our senses, I think. Yeah. Like uh, even when I, when I get off the plane. You know, and step outside in Alaska, like I'm hit with almost every memory of every time I've stepped off a plane in Alaska. Yeah. That like crisp, cool, like highly oxygenated. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just like super nostalgic. Bam, bam! It just all comes back at once. Yeah. Same when I step into LA. Same when I step into like, like the cities. You're like, oh yeah, that's that sound, smell, yeah. vibe of this whole fucking place, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it feels unique to every location. Uh, bars would have that feeling. You know, I remember when I used to be kind of a, a drinker, you know, you walk into certain bars, oh yeah, the vibe of the bar, but mm -hmm. bars bars come and go. Yeah. Yeah, that's where you'll go into a bar, sometimes 10 years after you've been there, it's like the whole new spot, and you'll be like, man, I remember when this wasn't that color or this was there. Yeah. Such a weird thing. We're, we're alone now. Bill's gone, by the way, so <laughs> you have, have to listen to this part himself. Yeah, taking care of business. <clears throat> Jiu-Jitsu builds a weird memory, man. Jiu-Jitsu builds a weird memory where sometimes you don't necessarily know what happened. Like, you're rolling with someone, say you're a white belt, you're rolling with someone, and, they, and you're trying something, and it doesn't work, and they tap you. And then you try it again, and it doesn't work, and they tap you. And you kind of notice that, like, there's something happening here, but you're not sure what. You know what I mean? And you'll start to remember, oh yeah, right here I feel that thing happening. I need to retract. And it, it starts, you start building like this uh, um, reactive memory. You know what I mean? Like, well, you don't necessarily know why, but you know, every time I do this, that motherfucker does that. And I need to stop doing that. You know what I mean? Like, and it adjusts your memory. You'll start kind of like going, your memory, or your memory adjusts the way you behave. Yeah. It's like a little bit of a, uh, I wouldn't say Pavlov's dog, but it's, it's um, negative reinforcement. You know what I mean? It constantly teaches you negatively. Don't do that. Don't. Or you're overextending. You notice that, like when you roll with people for a while, 
you learn their game. And you don't, you don't necessarily totally understand that you learn their game, but you start to react in a way that shuts their game down. And you're like, that motherfucker always does this move. And I say that motherfucker in the most endearing way. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I mean about like my best friends, my closest training partners. We have that like, um, like I, I love them to death, but there's also a competitiveness to them. So when I, when I say that, that's really what I'm saying. Um, I love these people to death, but I always want to win, you know, when it comes to the games we play. Um, but when you're training with a partner, you, you don't always understand what you're, what you're, you're doing, but you're starting to recognize that they do something that gets you and you're starting to do something that stops it. You know what I mean? And then you'll, then you'll, you'll, you'll almost unconsciously figure it out first and then you'll start to figure it out. You know, um, if you roll with the same person over and over, like, uh, at the lower level, at the higher level, I think you can sometimes just analyze what's happening and you'll, you can kind of go, you can break it down quicker. But you'll see white belts who will be learned, yeah, just by rolling, by learning. And they don't know why at first. I, uh, yeah, I know that I, I use lockdown. Like, lockdown is my go-to tool. Yeah. Um, and I know that it's, and I know it's an easy one to see coming, um, especially if it's one that I go to. I mean, if you, play, if you play Z and, you know, find your lockdown, it's, not, it's sometimes hard to stop. Yeah. Even, if you, even though you can see it coming because half guard's not that hard to get to and then lockdown's not that hard to get to after half guard and from you know what I understand lockdown's having a renaissance in the Alaska community quite a few people have told me that they play lockdown and then these are just white belts or blue belts these are black belts um, so it's it's super legit and with lockdown's one of those things where like if you play it you'll start doing stuff and you go oh this thing worked for me and you'll, you'll discover moves. You'll start to discover moves. So what you can do, though, is go look it up. Go on the master in the system. Look up the, all the lockdown flow charts and analyze the lockdown and realize that there's routes, there's flow work, there's like a trajectories that each little nuance can take. If your partner does this, you do that. It's like an if-then scenario. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and that'll accelerate your learning tremendously. You won't, you know, you know, now that you're getting a lockdown, if they do that, then I do this. Or if they do that, and then I do this. Or if I do that, then they do this. Then if I do this, it, it continues on. You know what I'm saying? But um, yeah, we have a system for for um, uh, learning all those nuances and, and kind of building a system around them. You know, I mean, there's there's concepts that you can learn which are fantastic. Um, there's like tactics in general you can learn that are, are good good tactical strategies. But then there's also like uh, this is what's worked for Eddie. You know what I'm saying? And we stack it on top of this is what worked for Geo. And we stack it on top of this is what worked for Gabe Cuddle. You know what I mean? Um, and it builds like a, a, a tight pathways of death. Like they all lead to them, the other person dying. Yeah. Anyways, <coughs> Alaska's Baddest Blue was this weekend. And man, I couldn't be more proud and excited uh, for the Alaska Jiu Jitsu community. Um, I know all the coaches that had teams participating feel the same way. Um, there's a super talented group of athletes up here. Um, and they're really cool people and the community is really, um, well adjusted and the camaraderie is high and, um, you know, everyone was supportive win or lose. Um, the sportsmanship was fantastic. I, I can't say enough about, um, you know, just how it went in general. I was, I was pretty fucking stoked. Um, Shout out to, you know, Legacy, Alaska Grappling Academy, uh, Matsu MMA, um, 
man, let me go through the list. Because there's a list. That was one of the things like, that... I don't, yeah, I don't want to forget somebody. And so, But Legacy, AGA, uh, showed up huge. Uh, I think they had a couple champions, but so did Matsu MMA. So did um, Alaska Krav Maga. Alaska Krav Maga had two champions. Um, and Sean Ellis and Danielle... Um, I think I can't, I don't want to say, I can't remember her name. Her, 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 her Instagram handle is Jiu-Jitsu Girl, Danielle BJJ. I think I owe all the champions a check, a large check, by the way. Uh, you printing promised me they would be there by Wednesday. I still don't have them. FedEx suddenly just doesn't update where the package is and doesn't really answer my calls at this point. So F you to you printing and FedEx on that one. That was upsetting, but no one cared. No one cared. No one cared. They didn't get big checks. They were just such a cool people. They were stoked to get money. I owe you big checks. And a couple of people I think I owe some extra cash to. So uh, be on the lookout. I'll send the big checks to your schools and some extra chips as well. But uh, the Alaska's baddest blue overall, absolute biggest stud, Jesse Hull. Jesse Hull out of Legacy Jiu-Jitsu. Um, he won the heavyweight. He won his division, the 265 division. Um, and then he won the absolute division. And he had, I think, so probably three in his division and another four, probably seven matches on the day. I think he, a good percentage of those were submissions. He had a couple overtime. He had an overtime that was really close against Romero. What's up? So I saw Jesse fight last January. He fought on the Jared Mizerik, uh victor Rodriguez card yeah. in the AFC. He's he's a stud. He's a he's a he's a big strong guy who punches people really hard. One of the uh, things that I was um, I was taken back by in in his rolling because he was rolling back to back to back to back against some really tough competition was that he didn't. I'm not going to say that he didn't get tired, but like he just he'd take a deep breath and he just keep doing what it was that he was doing. He didn't quit. He didn't let up. He played his game too, man. He was good about knowing where his strengths were and staying in those strengths, and he didn't let people suck them into their game. Hmm. So I felt like he he was really good at imposing his position. He wanted to play top. Um, he wanted to work a neon belly or a mount attack, which set up his kimuras and his darses, which was just you know a, a fantastic game to play, a great way to like beat people up too. And if you're constantly knee riding them and switching sides on the knee ride. Uh, double knee on belly, knee on, knee on jaw. You know what I'm saying? You're going to get people to open up and give you arm bars, give you kimuras, give you darses because they turn into you and, and cover their face, basically. Um, and if there was punches, yeah, he would have fucking smashed people, man. Um, definitely a beast. Uh, definitely something to look out for. Um, I don't expect to see him add another Alaska's Baddest Blue. I would expect that uh, by the time we do this again, he'll be a purple belt because he's he, uh, he demonstrated his, his jiu-jitsu's Superior. Although I did not see his guard game, um, I kind of made a joke when him and Romero were going by. Which one of these guys is going to pull guard? And there was no way either of them were. They wanted, you know, they were not guard players. Um, so anybody, uh, I'm not saying that he should ever play guard. It's, it doesn't make any sense for a fighter. But if you're a pure jiu-jitsu athlete in a sub-only sport, definitely want to have some kind of submission option from the bottom. You know, you want to have some game in every other, in every position because that like his match with Romero. Um, and a couple of the matches, man, they went a long time. It's like 10 minutes of wrestling. And when it does it, it wears you out for the future matches. You know, if you, if you can get quicker submissions, you know, you can, you can save your energy. 
which match was uh, Romero? Romero was a 205 runner-up. Yeah, he, gotcha. he probably weighed much more than that by the time of uh, the matches. Him and Jesse looked about the same size. That was the match, if you watch on Instagram, it looks like two bulls just pushing each other around. Yeah, but yeah, it was pretty pretty intense to watch. Um, but it came down to the overtime because because there was no uh, secure takedown, secure top position, no one wanted to play guard. Um, there was no real jiu-jitsu. It was mostly wrestling. It went to overtime, and it became a game of back control. And both those guys, by the, t- by the time it was overtime, were dripping in sweat. I mean, these dudes were some of the, they were just, like they got water dumped on them. And they're both huge, and it became just like who could hang on to the other person's back where I don't think anyone lasted more than 20 seconds on that one because the person who was in, in back control would just explode. You know what I'm saying? That, that, they were just fucking beastly dudes, both of them. Um, and I don't either have like necessarily long arms. They weren't long arm guys. You know what I'm saying? So back control, if you have shorter arms and the other guy's huge, you know, is, is you don't quite have, you know, so it's kind of, they both had the same challenge with each other. And those back control escapes, it was like, it was explosive as fuck, man. Yeah. It was like watching Jeff Monson grapple with Jeff Monson. Yeah, dude, it was, Except it was like, Jeff oh. Monson, one Jeff so Monson has a wig on. I have to walk out there and put my knee on their back to do the overtime. And I'm terrified I'm going to get knee barred by like just them exploding backwards into me because I had to jump over, jump just to get out of the way a couple times because they it would like be both of them would both of them would launch backwards and it would if it was if there was a small child behind them it would just go wreck yeah I, I don't even want to think what happened because I was just thinking about what happened to my knee I was like oh my god I got as soon as I say time I gotta fucking get away from these guys as fast as possible is what I'm thinking and when they were wrestling um, you could see the whole crowd when they moved towards the crowd the crowd like uh, Andrew was picking up small kids and running away. Like he grabbed a child and just ran away. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, there was some intense matches and it was awesome. Uh, these guys pushed each other hard and they uh, hugged and high five at the end. Uh, there was no no sore losers from what I could tell, and um, you know everyone was was uh, happy for each other, and that's what it's about. It was like you know. A really hard open mat. You know, you go to open mat and you might get six, seven, eight rolls. That's what people had today. Um, but we had a little bit of money in the game, um, buy-in tournament basically. And I don't own that that uh, template. I hope other schools take on that template. You know, offer um, you know a buy-in tournament at your school, and you know it's like darts or pool or whatever. You know, what I mean, let, let let's have some fun with jujitsu, um, and then bring a little bit of competitiveness to it and get people ready to go win worlds, get people ready to go take on titles in, in the States. And we, we, so we need to develop the community up here. And um, I'm stoked for the participation of everybody. And uh, I want everyone to know that I'll support their, their, their events as well. And I hope they do the, do their own events. Can I throw in some cool yeah. uh, Alaska Bass Blue news? So your runner-up and the winner in the 170 division, Chris Burbage and your runner-up, uh, um, Charlie Kennedy. Yeah. They started training together years ago. Like they were each other's very first training partners, and so there they are. They met each other in the finals. They yeah. met each other in the finals as like as friends, as like OG training partners. And Chris Burbage is a fighter who's been uh, spent a lot of twenty twenty flying down south to um, to fight uh, in in other organizations. He's been on Fight Pass a few times, but this was 
his very first jujitsu tournament. And it, I think that this appeals to it appeals to folks who are, are, are fans of fighting, who, who are fighters, who don't necessarily want to get bonked in the head, but you you're still allowed to have the competition. But from a, from a, uh, the perspective of someone who was watching uh, the tournament, this was a fun tournament yeah. to watch. It was if you don't know what's going on, it's really easy to pick up what's happening. And it's submission only, so you know people aren't going to be playing boring games of holding you in place. So you Chris showed a something. real diverse game. Chris uh, was impressive, man. He had, he had quite a few submissions. Um, he uh, he showed a good top game. He showed a leg lock game. He showed a guard game. He uh, he had a couple. He had a, a very diverse, very. He did. He looked strong everywhere. He got a takedown on Jesse Hole, and they're matching the absolutes. Um, yeah, he had like a, a arm drag foot sweep maybe, something like that. Um, so he had top position for a second on Jesse. Jesse, I think, maybe uh, went leg lock on him from there. But either way, Chris showed a diverse game of good wrestling, good top game, good leg locks, good guard. Um, and he, he, uh, he, yeah, he beat uh, Charlie, who had a super impressive showing as well. So the 170-pound division had two... Uh, uh, Round robin brackets. So there was like five guys in one, or four guys in one, and four guys in the other one. They all went round robin. Then the winner of those groups went against each other. And it ended up being Charlie versus Chris, uh, both who won their division, both who submitted to basically everybody in their division. Um, Charlie, uh, did he did some stuff. Um, he got like a, a, a Zico choke in the guard, a, couple, a Kimura, a couple other good submissions. And then him and uh, Chris, yeah, met in the finals. And that was an excellent match. I think Chris got the sub in regulation, and they were just stoked to, um, to see each other, it seemed like. And Charlie, I think, uh, I talked to him last night. Um, you know, he's really excited for, for Chris, but he also is real proud of himself, I think, for where he's at in his game, uh, considering how, how much Chris has trained and how much Chris has competed. You know, I mean, I think he, maybe he doesn't have, maybe he feels like he didn't get as much experience as Chris has the last few years. Um, but this tournament gave him the opportunity to see where he stood, and he, he still feels real, very much in the game and very much um, almost ahead of the curve as far as his training goes. So I hope he keeps it up. Uh, and I hope every guy, speaking of that, Chris Tafron um, had another awesome showing. He, had, he went 4-1, and one, couple submissions. He's another MMA guy. Um, I think this was his first jiu-jitsu tournament. I think this was Charlie's first jiu-jitsu tournament. Um, and if you're an MMA guy, you have to do jiu-jitsu tournaments. It's just going to set you up so much for success in the ring. You do not want to walk into the ring having not ever been in a sub-only tournament or at least a jiu-jitsu tournament. Um, it's just, it's a poor planning. It's poor strategy. Yeah. So yeah, shout out to um, all the, all the uh, lightweights that, that went in. We had also had Tate. He did awesome. He was... Um, playing his game, which, you know, is a non-traditional style. He likes to play a real open, loose, like, inverted, Imanari, shoot the triangle, you know, goes for a leg, kind of just like, a, you know, one of those fun, crazy games. And he had some good looks. He, um, the guy who won the 145 division, big shout-out to him, but he got hit with an Imanari by Tate, almost got knee-barred, you know, ended up getting out of it, submitting Tate. Uh, later on, Tate, you know, Played that same game and secured the knee bar. Got it off of him and already. It was awesome. Um, so big shout out to him. I'm super proud of him. Um, but that 145 division was stacked. 
and the winner was Forrest Voss. Forrest Voss. Um, he also did the absolutes. I think he drew it. I think he drew a pretty heavy guy right away. But he, he did really well in a 145 division. I was refing, but I, I was watching it under the side. And I think he submitted everybody in his division. Mm -hmm. uh, if you saw the division. I may be wrong, but I saw nothing but submissions out of that guy. Uh, that was the red, white, and blue rash guard? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah from the Alaska Grappling Academy, yeah. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he showed his ass. He, like, he did what he did. He was out there. Um, yeah. He had, a, he had a great showing. Uh, Burbage had a great Alaska showing. Alaska Grappling Academy put on, put, on, put on a great show, man. They had like a, a good squad that showed up. Um, they just had a good. I mean, yeah, there's another 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 team. I just I want to make sure I give a uh, shout out to you because they they um they they represented. They brought uh, fans. They brought a team. They uh, coached each other really well. You know, win or lose, they showed each other a ton of support. So it was cool to see um see that squad out there. So, Curtis, if uh, folks are interested in training with you on the regular, how do they do that? Um, you have to just come to 10 Planets Aladdin, man. It's pretty simple, dude. 10, 10 Planets Aladdin, Monday through Thursday, All-American Training Center. Um, you know, we're donation-based jiu-jitsu. It's kind of me giving back to the community. Um, you know, I teach... I teach family jujitsu at this point right now so right now our school because my wife is is we still have a newborn so right now the classes are are all ages um but it's not like no child left behind it's not like dumbed down or anything like that it's 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 still real jujitsu um but the move if you want to come train with me is come on a monday if you can if you're new come on a monday um and that way you'll get like a week of the same kind of same training you'll get better during that week uh, if you're new, try not to come late in the week because you'll you'll feel like you're maybe not caught up. So I would I would advise you to maybe contact me. Try to come on a Monday. Try to come on a couple times that first week if you want to be successful. Um, if possible, come with a friend. If you're if you're a little bit nervous, come with a friend. If you don't have a friend, um, no worries, man. I have great students. I'll be happy to help you. Um, and if possible, bring your children. Um, my classes. There are family based. There's a number of fathers and sons, daughters. Um, there's even mothers and sons. So like whatever combination is out there, we have it. Um, so we encourage everybody to come train. And I, I teach at a level of, you know, I, I of where everyone can understand. Um, so if you're if you're if your child's at a level where they can communicate with an adult, they'll do well in the class. Um, and we have great youth students that can help help them succeed. So Monday through Thursday, 7 p.m., All-American Training Center. But there's also wrestling before that. Um, so if you want to get a full day in, check out their schedule. Yeah, 10 Um uh, But let me not, not close out. I want to make sure I give a shout-out to Danielle I, I, from Alaska Krav Maga. was a women's champion. Just go rush, shoot this through this real quick. Um, Forrest Voss, 145-pound champion, Alaska Grappling. 170-pound champion. We already talked about Chris Burbage, Matt Suit, MMA. The 205-pound champion, Sean Ellis. <clears throat> I think he would have done well in the absolutes, too. He didn't enter the absolutes. Totally respect that. He went 5-0 in the 205. Beast, but I, I would love to see him in the absolutes because I think he would have done really well as well. Um, so big props to Sean Ellis. And then back to Jesse Hole. 
I took the 265 and the Absolute, put on, put on a show that day. Also, I had the shortest shorts. He had the shortest <laughs> shorts of the day. Um, him and um, uh, Patias, I think, were challenging each other. Patias was a monster, too. Legacy Jiu-Jitsu, I don't know if you guys feed each other over there, but Jesus, some savages coming out of that school. Yeah. It's, a, it's three square meal a day <laughs> it's and, a, and yeah. a gallon of water. You got to get that gallon of water. You got to get a scoop or two of protein in as well. And get them good carbohydrates. Yeah, all that stuff matters, man. Um, you got to pay attention to that food. Would have liked to see a few more females, guys, uh, um, ladies. You know, there was two females. They went best two out of three. They were both, both matches were good, long. Danielle got, got, the, uh, got the win, but I think they both would have loved to see more, more competitors. And I don't think they cared about the weight. Danielle was pretty light, and she said I'll take I mean, she, I don't think she would have cared. I think any girl, any weight would have came in. She just wanted to get rounds, wanted to get rules, wanted to get experience. So um, ladies that are thinking about it, there's other ladies out there. And then everyone, um, we're going to do it again, but it's not going to be a belt requirement. So we're going to do Alaska's baddest sub only, and we're going to open it up. All subs, all ranks, all divisions. We're going to get the cash prizes cranked up a little bit. We're going to find some sponsors who want to be partake in all the fun we're having. And um, we're gonna keep doing this, man. So stay tuned for the next event. Stay tuned for a kids event. I know the kids want to get involved. Um, we'll be talking to Jordan Contra of Legacy. Uh, reach out to Isaac over here too and see what we gotta do to make the rule set and the the, the just the, or the whole pro process right to make the kids have a good successful tournament in terms of having fun, getting the reps. Um, yeah, just having a good experience. So stay tuned for all those things. Hill hooks. I want heel hooks. In yeah, that'll be that'll in be the in the next. Not in the kids. The kids will probably be no leg locks. Um, there's still some taboo there, um, and, and kids have this like, you know, thing where if their parents are watching and or they just have some. Un, they don't understand that they can break yet sometimes, oh. and they will think that they can't be armbarred because they, you know, what I'm saying, and then they'll get armbarred and, and because they won't realize and. If their dad's watching and they are worried about, I'm not saying this happens there, but I've seen it happen, but the kids will make bad decisions because they're kids, you know? So um, I'm, I'm of the of opinion, like if I'm the referee and I'm refing a kid's match and a kid isn't tapping and I know he should be tapping, I'm gonna stop the match. You know what I'm saying? If you're an adult, that's you have a different level of reasoning, comprehension, you know, you chose to be there. You paid for it. You know, you know, uh, an eight-year-old. You know, they might have chose to be there, but they also can feel the pressure of their parents. And they, yeah, there's a lot of variables. You know what I'm saying? So, um, with kids, and it comes to like heel hooks, they don't always feel the pain that a heel until it's too late. And that kind of goes for adults as well, and they don't always have the rationale to tap to a heel hook or a toe hold because of the same thing that happens in armor. So they don't think, they don't think they're gonna get hurt, their dad's watching, there's, there's a number of reasons why they might not, not take the tap. So when it comes to like, like kids matches, I can stop an arm bar, I can stop a triangle, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I can also stop a heel hook, but they can come on way quicker, way faster, they don't have that like, um, and, and Laylock's just the nature of them, they could switch real quick. So one kid could be attacking and the other kid could be instantly attacking and advice, and they could both be attacking at the same time. So it's just 
a lot going on with adults. You know, you guys sign the waiver yourselves. You sign up yourselves. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, you understand what happened to your knees and what you have to go through after that event. Kids, you know, they're not in the same level. That's why they don't get to vote. That's why we don't let them go to war. It's the same reason I'm going to stop a match if a kid's deep in an arm bar and his arm's about to get broke. And I don't care what his dad says to me. Fuck you. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to stop your kid's arm from getting broke. Yeah. And, you know, whatever lesson he learns from that, I don't give a fuck. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, I'm, I'm going to save your kid's arm. Um, so, kids, it's going to be no leg locks at first, for sure. And if down the road, you know, the coaches from the, the, the schools that are involved and have a conversation and you feel like, hey, there's some advanced kids and these kids want to do, you know, pro shows where they have these heel hooks eventually, you know, maybe we have advanced kids divisions. Because <clears throat> once kids get a little more mature and a little bit more understanding of the devastation of jiu-jitsu, they understand how bad it could really be if you don't tap, if you don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, you know, even, even Pris, man, I think when she got armbarred uh, in competition severely, you know what I'm saying, like hyperextended, it really changed her, her whole, like, uh, fear level, you know what I mean, her respect level. I mean, it didn't, it didn't, she still kept competing, she still, still kept going hard, but it, you could tell her, her, her uh, aggression was more controlled. She didn't overextend as much, you know what I'm saying? Um, it really reins you in when you kind of get that first big break on yourself, you know what I'm saying? And a lot of kids haven't had that yet. A lot of kids don't need that right away. Um, so, yeah, I can go on about that. But if we have kids' tournaments. Gonna be, if we can do, still, still do sub-only, um, triangles, arm bars, rear naked chokes, all those things. The kids are trained, I hope, at your school they're trained. Um, we teach them that. So... Yeah, stay tuned for that. My kids are begging, and they're they're it's good. They're all white belts. I, my kids will all be in the beginner division basically, but they still want um, something to look forward to. And I think that goes for any activity kids do. So if you catch your kids in dance class or singing or something, they have an event they're generally preparing for, or a show they're generally preparing for. Um, so I think it's it helps keep the kids motivated that we have an event or something to say, hey, you need to try harder. Other kids are working to do this as well. Yeah. Remember that when you're sleeping, <laughs> you're training, get up and do push-ups. <laughs> All right, Curtis, thank you so much for your time. I know you've got, uh, you've got the baby and you got family at the house. Uh, I appreciate you making time. It is the ultimate right. commodity, as we went over earlier. I had a blast, man. Um, you guys, go to Patreon. Listen to the conversation you had before this with Mr. Jake Thompson. Uh, purely for entertainment purposes. Everything I say is a joke. Um, I represent no one. Good to see you, Bill. Good to see you, Bill. <laughs> All right, I would like to thank my guest, Mr. Curtis Hembroff of 10th Planet Soldatna. Now, if you are interested in training a little bit of the martial arts of the 10th Planets with Mr. Curtis Hembroff, you can do that every Monday through Thursday at All-American Training Center in Soldatna. Classes go from 7 p.m. until when they wrap up. And kids' classes run concurrent to the adult classes. So if you have a child that you want to get into the uh, martial arts, this is a way that you can do it with them in a way that is supportive and you're getting taught by some really, really high-level instruction. A little bit about Curtis for those of you that aren't aware of who he is. 
He came up here from 10th Planet Austin, Texas, which is a school that he founded inside of the Onnit Academy in, again, Austin, Texas. Now, if you're not familiar with Onnit, O-N-N-I-T, check out their website, www.onnit.com. They are a human optimization company, and he was chosen by the man, Eddie Bravo, to open up that school. Since then, he has been... Uh, played a huge part in opening up 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu dojos all over the great state of Texas. Now, before you ask, Alaska is a greater state than Texas, hands down. I mean, don't get me wrong, we have some good barbecue on the peninsula, but there's so much more barbecue in Texas. But if you want to know about good barbecue here, go, go talk to my guy uh, over, at, uh, over at Firehouse, and he'll talk to you about barbecue because that's his passion. But I, I can't really talk about them too much here because I, I am almost emotionally obligated to mention, and when I say emotionally obligated, I mean from the core of my heart, I must mention the schnitzel bomber. I went to the schnitzel bomber today. I got this chicken sandwich that was encrusted with like some coconut planko something or other. It came with this nice cold soup and some tater tots on the side. It was delicious, all right? It came with some fresh vegetables. Everything about it was majestic. So get your sweet ass over to the Schnitzel Bomber, particularly if you live on the Kenai Peninsula. If you're coming from out of town, again, I recommend it, but you might as well call ahead and, and have them make something and have it ready for you. You, you don't want to sit in a line. Lines are super, uh, are super silly, especially if you don't have to. So get a hold of the Schnitzel Bomber. Look them up on Facebook. Look them up on Instagram. Look them up on on Google. Go into your Google. Type in the Schnitzel Bomber, and you'll get the Schnitzel Bomber. You can give a call. You can find out what their specials are when you're coming down, and you can get one made for you so you don't have to deal with the line. Whew. Lines are silly. All right. Moving on. Red Run Cannabis Company, located on the Kenai Spur Highway, right between Kenai, right between Soldatna. They're the growers of fine cannabis. Eat Those Cookies is one of the new strains that they just dropped. I enjoyed it as a flower. I enjoyed it as a terp sauce. They're also the brewmeisters of Hache. They make can of caps. They make honey sticks as well as peanut butter. Now, because they have their own manufacturing facility, it's really hard for other um, retailers and, and other manufacturers to beat their prices. So if you're looking for really good prices on really quality concentrates, the place to go is Red Run Cannabis Company on the Kenai Spur Highway. Now, if you're looking to get your hands on some of their super duper sweet ass products, just go into your favorite Alaskan dispensary and let them know what you're looking for and they'll reach out to Red Run. It's the easiest way to make this happen. And last but not least, one of my favorite places in the world that isn't in my house. In fact, it's probably my favorite place in the world that isn't my house. Iron Asylum, located at 35165 KB Drive behind Save You More. I like going in with young Hickson strapped to my chest, looking to figure out like what machines I can use and what workouts I can do with the young boy strapped to my chest. And what I was surprised is Iron Asylum has so many machines that I can use with the boy strapped to my chest for working the chest. All kinds of flies, pec decks, all kinds of cool machines. So I don't have to worry about injuring the baby while I'm trying to, uh, to get my chest pump on. But they've got all kinds of equipment. They've got all kinds of machines. They've got cardio machines. They've got Stairmasters, ellipticals, treadmills, assault bikes. 
They've got a rower. They've got stuff. Whatever it is that you are looking for, they have stuff for you if you're looking to get jacked and tanned. They also have the very best trainers on the peninsula, without a doubt. They've got Kimmy England. They've got Tyler Basil. Uh, uh, they've got Coach Angie Brennan. If you are looking to get yourself ready for like some super duper awesome bodybuilding competition, or on the flip side of that, you're looking to do an Ironman, they've got a trainer to help get you into the shape physically and, 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 and with your diet and dialing it all in to the place where you want to be. And they can introduce you to clients their methods have worked for. So that's very, very cool, all right? I'm a big supporter of Iron Asylum and everything they do, and so I am grateful for all of the support that Brandon has given me over the years. That number, 907-953-4720. 907-953-4720. For more information, tell them I sent you and get some love. What kind of love? I don't know. Maybe Brandon will give you a smooch, but only if you say it's okay, because he, he don't move like that. He's a he's a strictly uh, everyone's on board kind of guy, especially when it comes to the smooches. All right, smooches. Have a great day. Unless you don't want smooches, then it's like a high five or a handshake or something, or you know, zero contact. Oh yeah, here's your cannabis warning. As per 3AAC 306.360 Alaska Marijuana Control Board Cannabis Use Warning A, marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. B, marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. C, there are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. D, for use by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. And E, marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding.